Hello, I'm Gary Fogel. Welcome to another version of Kentucky Sports Memories. As always, I'm happy to have you with me. And in today's show, we're going to look at two coaching legends, one from Western Kentucky University and one from Eastern Kentucky University, both in football. And we're talking about Jimmy Fikes at Western Kentucky and Roy Kidd at Eastern. And since Roy Kidd was the longest tenured of the two, let's begin with him. In case you don't remember, he coached at EKU for 39 years. Nobody does that anymore. Very few have done it before him. Uh, Very few have ever done it at all. So 39 years at EKU from 1964 to 2002. He went to the national championship game four years in a row, 79, 80, 81, and 82. He won the championship on each end of that uh, four-season run. He won it in 79. He won it in 82. As a matter of fact, the 82 team was undefeated. They lost in the finals in 80 and 81. I'll talk to him about that in more detail coming up, and he'll talk about how they should have won all four and even should have won another championship. (laughs) That's according to Coach, anyway. Here's what's most interesting. He only had two losing seasons his entire 39-year career. 39 years as a head coach, only two losing seasons, and one of those two was the first year he coached there, which you oftentimes would assume because you're coming in, taking over a new program, it probably needs to be rebuilt. So that alone is pretty amazing. What's also amazing is his last losing season was 1972. So he had no losing seasons in his last 30 years at Eastern Kentucky. And you think about all the great programs in the history of college football. Everybody, pretty much, has a losing year every so often, every now and then. Even like Alabama, for example, I was looking at their record going back a few years. They were six and seven back in 2006, so that was 14 years ago. They were four and nine, three years prior to that in 2003. Notre Dame was four and eight, Back in 2016, three and nine in 20, 2007, five and seven in 2003, five and six in 2001. Ohio State was six and seven back in 2011. Georgia six and seven back in 2010. So all of those have been in past 10 years or so where they had a losing season, and yet Roy Kidd's teams at Eastern Kentucky went the last 30 years without a losing record. Again, that's pretty amazing. He was a three-sport star in high school. He's from Corbin, Kentucky, and he was an outstanding athlete there. Was recruited to play football at the University of Kentucky. He ended up going to Eastern Kentucky as an athlete to play football and baseball before he came back years later as a head coach. But he was also recruited to play football at the University of Kentucky but because he wanted to play both football and baseball is why he turned UK down because Bear Bryant wanted him for football and football only. And as Roy Kidd and I talked, that's how we began our conversation. So coach, I'm going to go back to when you were coming out of high school. I understand that if I don't remember the story correctly, Bear Bryant recruited you to come to UK, but you didn't want to go there because you wanted to play football and baseball. And what did he tell you? You couldn't play baseball? 
Can't play baseball. We practice in the spring. <laughs> no baseball. So I said, well, you know, I didn't. And then Georgia Tech flew me down there and kind of was going to offer me a scholarship. They got my transcript, so they said that I had to go to prep school for a year there in Chattanooga. And then if I didn't work in prep school, they, you know, give me a scholarship. So I didn't want to go to prep school, so I just decided to come on back home, and uh, I decided that just go to Eastern was just the closest one to home. So by them looking at your transcripts, are you telling me that your academics weren't the greatest in high school? <laughs> <laughs> I could be telling you that. <laughs> well, you spent too much time playing ball, maybe. Well, you know, certain classes that they wanted me to take are courses. As it <laughs> I hadn't heard it, never heard of them at Corbin before. I got you, because they were more of an engineering school. Yeah. So... Was it difficult to tell Bear Bryant, no, I'm not coming? Oh, yeah. So you go to Eastern, you play at Eastern, you end up coming back as the head coach at Eastern, and, and you spend 39 years as the head coach. I guess going in, you had no idea how many years you were going to be there, but I certainly can't imagine you'd think you'd be there that long. No, never even gave it a thought. So why did you stay that long? Well, you know, I get asked that question, and sometimes I look back and I think, uh, uh, you know, why did I? But I was happy there. I liked it there. We had nice people in Richmond, and so we had pretty good following and so forth. And and, and I married a young lady from here, and so uh, it's just a nice place to stay. I, I was offered other jobs and interviewed for other jobs. And at Marshall, I had a job to go to Marshall. You touched on other job offers. I was going to get to that because I assume with the success you had at Eastern, there had to be other offers that came. And in particular, I was always wondering if UK ever con ever contacted you. Yeah, I was interviewed at UK, I'll bet you, three, four times. You know, and I got to where and I remember going a couple times and uh, – I talked to uh, Bale, was, I think his name Bale, was an official in the NFL. He was on the board, you know. And right. I Bale. And I said, Tommy, I said, is this just a token thing or what? He, I said, oh, no, we're really, we're really interested in But uh, uh, Hagen told me one time, he was the uh, athletic director, and he said. Cliff Hagen. Cliff Hagen, yeah. And he said, uh, I, it's the president's decision, Coach. He said, I want you to know I didn't make that decision. The president did. And that's when they hired Jerry Claiborne. And I can understand that, Claiborne being a graduate of, of Kentucky and having success where he's been. And, and uh, so it didn't bother me. I just come back to Eastern and took to work. <laughs> if Kentucky had offered, would you have taken it? Well, they they almost did offer it, but I, but I, bet I was getting a little old. And I, I did got the... Uh, one of my latter years there, I was in the 60s, I guess. Uh, they called me, and I thought, you know what? I've gone to these different schools, and uh, and I just sit around the table and let them ask me questions. I said, I'm going, I'm going to see if they really want me. And I, I sit down in my office, and I wrote down everything, and I'm going to pass this around, make copies of it, so I get the committee. 
I gave everyone of them a sheet of paper plus the athletic directors, and I said, here's what I want to talk to you about. And I said, if you offer me this job, here I want you to know what I'm, what I, my plans. And I told my staff I was going to go after. I told them what kind of offense we was going to play, what kind of defense we was going to play, how we were going to recruit, the type of kids we were going to recruit. And I, I just went down everything. And they just all just sit there and looked at me, you know. Well, I get a, I'm go, I leave them, and the next day, I think, when I went to San Francisco to American Football Coaches Meeting, and they call me and tell me that if, uh, and they said, the job's yours if this guy don't take it and he thinks he's going to be the next AD at Georgia Tech where he played, and if he gets it, he's going to get that, and then the job at UK is yours. I, you're talking about Bill Curry. Bill Curry, yeah, that's right. And I, and I told them, I said, my philosophy is a little bit different than what you're going now. And I said, I have all respect in the world for Bill Curry. And I told Bill this. Bill came over to my office. I said, he got in that job later and wanted to just talk with me about things. And I told him, I said, Bill, and I said, you got to decide what you want to do on offense. He said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you have a coordinator. You, and I, I've been over there and watched you practice. And I said, you, you let everything up to the coordinator. And he leaves you, you bring in another coordinator, you run another offense. I said, what the hell does Bill Curry want to do? What do you want to run a kind of offense? And then go recruit the kids to fit that offense. And uh, he appreciated it, and we, we, you know, we became good friends and, and so forth. And I said, get find out who you want. I said, I said, take it, you hire, a, oh, who was it, the quarterback up in the mountains that couldn't run, but he could throw the ball. Tim Couch? Yeah, I said you 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 got a quarterback there, and your your coordinator's trying to make an option quarterback. I said, hell, he can't run out. You know, he can't run the option play. I said he's a drop back passer. And I said, he said, well, what are you saying? I'm saying you don't teach him throw the football. That's what he does. You build your offense around what the quarterback can do. And anyway, we got to know one another pretty good, and I always liked Bill. The little guy almost had me up, and he wanted me to have the job. But whoever the committee was, I don't know who they were. The uh, I don't know as I want it, but uh, we had beaten Louisville uh, a couple times, you know. And uh, and then they, the AD, I can't think of his name right now. He came down here to Eastern and had lunch with me one day, and, and then we went up there the next weekend. Ate him at this place. <laughs> he followed me to the locker room. They and he offered that. you the head coaching job at Louisville. Well, he would he would have, but they had a committee, and the committee hired. The, I, I'm terrible about names. He, he came in after work. after Schnellenberger. That's who it was. No, Schnellenberger took the job. Oh, so they hired Schnellenberger instead of hiring you. Yeah, right. And uh, and we beat him twice, I think. Well, would you have taken the job if they had offered? I don't know. You know, I got to – I might have when Kentucky because uh, – I don't know if I ought to say this right or not, but I got to thinking, how many more years am I going to be able to coach? You know, I'm getting up there. I think I was 72 when I quit at Eastern. And I thought, I'm getting in my 60s, and I said uh, – you know, but I, I kept thinking if I if I got the Kentucky job, that'd probably be the best retirement I could have. I said, Eastern don't pay nothing like Kentucky pays, you know. 
uh, money-wise. And toward the end of my career, you know, uh, I had a pretty good retirement and, and whatnot. And and so probably based on some of those things, uh, I probably would have, you know, because it pays so much. And then you got so many bonuses you can get. And, you know, and the thing about it, somebody asked me, said, why would you want the Kentucky job? I said, I didn't say I wanted the job. He said, well, why would you be even interested? And I said, well, I'll tell you why. I said, look what they pay, salary. I said, look at the bonuses you get. Well, we kind of got off on the subject of uh, coaching opportunities he had while at Eastern instead of talking about his career at Eastern. <laughs> got off on a little tangent there. I guess that's my fault. But uh, we get back onto that subject, so I do talk to him about his career at Eastern, and, and we'll look at that when we come back. But I do want to mention, and I think it's interesting, again, talking about his tenure at Eastern Kentucky, 39 years there. If you look at UK, which was just up the road, during Roy Kidd's 39 years where they had just one football coach, Kentucky went through seven. They had seven football coaches. They had Charlie Bradshaw, John Ray, Fran Kersey, Jerry Claiborne, Bill Curry, Hal Mummy, and Guy Morse. And then the year after that um, Roy Kidd retires from Eastern, UK adds its eighth in Rich Brooks, you know, during that time period. So it's pretty amazing that Eastern only had one football coach during that entire time while Kentucky's going through seven or eight. And, and that's not different from other programs around the country. You know, they, they change coaches that often. Most of them do. Uh, there are exceptions, obviously. Bear Bryant stayed at Alabama for many years. Joe Paterno at Penn State for many years. There are other examples, but not many programs do that. Anyway, going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, Coach Kidd's tenure at Eastern Kentucky and talk about his two national championships and the ones that he thinks got away. That's coming up in just a moment. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, if you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Gary Fogle, welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories, where today we're talking about uh, Coach Roy Kidd, football coach at Eastern Kentucky for 39 years, 
And Jimmy Fikes, longtime football coach at Western Kentucky University, will get to Coach Fikes a little later in the show. Right now, I'll continue our conversation with Coach Roy Kidd. So you had that run at Eastern 79 through 82 where you go to four straight national championship games. You win two of them. Two of them won five. We gave, we gave away three of them. Gave away, had them beat in the fourth quarter. Got beat right with seconds to go. One of them was down in Louisiana. We they, we had a uh, we had the football and it's third down and one foot, and all we had to do was make that first down, and they don't get the ball again because the time will run out. We jump off sides, so then then we don't make it. So then we end up punting the ball, and they threw two passes, and then a little short kicker comes in, kicks a field goal, and wins the game. <laughs> we lost against. Uh, out there in California, we were playing Boise, and it's fourth down 14 on the 14-yard line, and we touched down ahead, and uh, they hit a pass. Our corner placed, placed man coverage and took his man took him all the way to the other side of the field, and if he'd have gone back in his zone where he should have been, it had been an easy knock. He should have made an easy play. But, uh, you know, so and then they they make the touchdown and win, so that's another one. And then we go to Youngstown, and uh, we got the ball. They hadn't made a first down the last three times they got the ball, and they kicked it to us. And uh, I thought, well, Danny made a first down, so let's just play the same defense. And so they lined up, had a split in, a receiver, rather, to the right. And the quarterback took the ball and just threw it to him straight out there. Corner went running up to make the play and falls down. And the guest side takes off running. He gets up, chases him, but they don't catch him. He runs it down to the five-yard line and about seemed like they ran about 10 or 15 plays and finally made a touchdown and won the game. So we should have, we had those three games right in our pocket and then let it get away from us. It's amazing how you remember the losses, it seems, more yeah. than you remember the wins. I can remember one win. <laughs> that's 1982, Western. right? That's beating Western at their dedication. They dedicated the stadium and uh, wouldn't let any of our students have tickets. And they they had to look stay outside. And, and they were undefeated, untied upon, unscored upon. And we beat them that Saturday at third place. Uh, to me, somebody, I said, that's greatest. <laughs> I said, the biggest rival we had, as much as respect that I have for you. Or Western, I said to beat them at their place, dedication of their stadium, and all that. I said that's better than winning any national championship game. So that was better than the '82 championship when you went undefeated. Oh yeah, that was part of the we beat them that year. They, yeah, it was it was one of those wins we had. I was good to Western. Western recruited me harder than than uh, Eastern did. Eastern didn't even know that I played uh, running back. I come to Eastern, and the first day, uh, first of pr- we practice uh, how they put the young kids in after they worked their older kids, you know. <laughs> they said, okay, kid, get in there at the quarterback. I said, coach, I said, I never played quarterback. And the coach looked at me and said, well, you threw passes, didn't you? I said, well, yeah, I threw passes, he said, but I didn't play quarterback. He said, well, get in there. And they run the option play, so that helped me where I got to run the ball a little bit and throw it to Yeah. Them. 
Well, let, let's back up a little bit to your high school career. You were a you were a three sport star really in high school, correct? Well, I played all three. You're right, and I enjoyed it. You mean the thing about it was you, you played football. You had spring practice, but uh, you go back to you, basketball. As soon as football's over, with, you're in the gym. Uh, football ends on Friday. You're in the gym on Monday. First practice. And usually you play your first game Tuesday and then Friday. And uh, <laughs> and so, and then as soon as that's over with, uh, basketball's over with, you got spring practice. And as soon as that's over with, you got baseball. And, uh, and, you know, and then you got, of course, basketball. We went to state tournament every year that I was uh, in high school. And uh, we had a good team, really. And baseball was your favorite sport, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I like baseball. I always played it in the summer, had a summer job playing baseball. I went way up in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, I came from way up in the mountains of eastern Kentucky and uh, got me and wanted me to go up there and play. And I said, yeah, I'm not doing it. It's summer, I wasn't doing anything. Uh, I was playing for Corbin, you know, what little city league they had. And anyway, uh, we went way up in there and it was pitch dark and I see lights up in the, way up in the hills, you know. I thought, ooh, I don't know about this. So uh, <laughs> he took me to a boarding house, you know, and told me what all on. I had. Uh, he said, I said, now, I'm not going up in any mine. He said, no, you don't have to. He said, you, you just when the cold comes out, you just pull a lever and dump it. He said, that's all you do. And they paid me like twenty dollars a day or something like that, eighteen or twenty. I don't remember anyway. Plus fed me and all that. And I stayed about three days, and we did nothing, nothing. And so there was two other guys that played baseball, and I met them there at the boarding house. And after a day, I found out they'd bring me in to take one of them's place. So they got to where they wasn't real friendly with me. And so the third day he came over, he said, now I've come over the third day, which was Wednesday, and said, we've got to take you and you get, you know, get signed up, you know, join the union and get you fitted up with shoes and all that stuff. And he got there and I thought, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so he came and I said, I'm sorry, but I said, I, I, I'm going home. He said, well, you don't have a car? And I said, no. I said, I'm going to hitchhike. I hitchhike home. So Coach Kidd with quite the athletic career, outside of his um, coaching success. Three-sport athlete in high school and then continued to play as an amateur in baseball even beyond high school. And Coach is still very active as far as athletics goes. Obviously, can't play baseball or sports like that anymore, but he's on the golf course as much as he can be. 89 years old, doesn't play every day, but plays quite often and says he still hits the ball pretty well. So happy to hear about that. He's also still very involved with Eastern Kentucky University, still has an office there and goes in from time to time and stays active with uh, some fundraisers as well as alumni events and very much a larger than life figure even today at Eastern Kentucky University. Never did really talk a lot about those four championship uh, appearances from 1979 through 82. Again, they won the uh, what was then the 1AA championship in 79 and also in 82 and and lost in the championship game in 80 and 81. He talked a little bit about that, how he said they really should have won five of them 
but ended up winning two. I will talk with one of his former players when we come back, a player who was the quarterback on that undefeated 82 national championship team and was also a member of all four of the teams that went to the championship game. My conversation with him coming up in just a moment, so stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. We hear from a lot of owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle. In this segment, we're going to talk with Tuck Woolham. He was a quarterback for the Eastern Kentucky Colonels, played under Coach Roy Kidd. Not only that, Tuck was on all four of the teams that went to the national championship game. He was a freshman in 79 on that first team, and then he was a senior in 82 on that fourth team. As a matter of fact, he was the starting quarterback on that 82 championship team. Tuck was a three-year letter winner at quarterback for the Colonels. And as I mentioned, the senior on that 82 championship team, he was the quarterback. They went undefeated that year. He was all OBC that season as the Colonels went 13-0. They finished by winning the national championship game and finished ranked number one in the polls back what was then the 1AA polls ranked number one in the country. So Tuck Woolham remembers well playing for Roy Kidd. He had a great college career, and how many players can say that in their entire college career they went to the national championship game every season? He can. Here's my conversation with him. You were on all four teams that went to the national championship. That's pretty amazing. Not too many college football players or college athletes, period, could say that. No, that's true, Gary. We, uh, I think, in my four-year career there, we were forty-six and seven, and played uh, four national championship games. We won two, lost two, and we never lost a home game the whole time I was at Eastern. So uh, it's a, yeah, it's a, I guess a career you could brag about. I would think so. You kind of got spoiled with the with the wins. You didn't know what getting beat felt like. <laughs> no, but once I got into coaching, I found out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, pardon my ignorance, where did you coach? Uh, I've coached, uh, well, I coached at Eastern for five years. I coached at uh, the Citadel for two years, Western Carolina University for three years, 
And then I was a head coach at Union College in Kentucky for six years. And then I coached high school the rest of the time at Pineville. Well, in that 79 season when you guys won your first national championship, did you did you see action in that game? Not in the championship game. Uh, I did. Yeah, I take that back. I did see action in about a minute in the championship game. I sure did, <laughs> about two minutes. You were and, the mop-up uh, guy at the end? I was the mop-up guy, yeah. And I, I always want, you know, I was probably, I'm the only quarterback, I think, ever to play for Coach Kidd in his career that was not redshirted his freshman year. And uh, when I went in as a freshman, uh, they said you couldn't redshirt freshman, so I played about five or six games as a freshman. And so they took my redshirt away. Then the last three years, you know, they couldn't redshirt me because I was starting or backing up uh, Chris Isaac. So, but yeah, I did, I did get to see some action in the first championship game, about two minutes worth. Well, I'm sure that was quite the thrill. Uh, <laughs> it sure it was. was. Mop-up, even though it was in mop-up duty. So you, you go to the championship your sophomore and junior years where you don't win it, you make it to the championship and you're losing those. And then your senior year, you helped lead the team to an undefeated season. That I would assume that was the highlight of your career. Oh, it sure was. We went in. You know, I think we had 16 guys that uh, got to play on all four uh, national championship teams. And so we had 16 seniors that year. And we lost, you know, in the past, a lot of great players, and people weren't really expecting us to do anything. But I think, you know, each we all learned those three years what what, what it took to win, you know, and uh, we believed in ourselves. We believed, you know, we believed that we could all could accomplish what we did, and ended up going 13-0. I don't think we expected that, but that was a, a heck of a heck of a you know great season for us and win the national championship and you know top off our senior years like that was unbelievable. Was Coach Kidd, was there something about him that made guys play really well? Did he just recruit well, or was he a great coach, a great motivator? What was it like playing for him? Well, I think he recruited great, but one of the things, uh, Coach Kidd's things in recruiting, and I found this out more as a coach, coaching with him also, he could take players at the bigger schools, say would not take them, maybe 20 or 30 pounds underweight, and bring them in and develop them into players, and we've had quite a few like that. And really, he he had he could see the athletic ability in an athlete, see that the kid was a football player, but he may not be big enough or strong enough or fast enough. So he took chance on them, and we brought them in and developed them. But he was a he also let his coaches coach. I think it was a big deal. Each every one of his coaches got to coach, and you know, he coached position, and he coached kid, let them coach, and. Didn't butt in, you know, unless there's something he needed to. So I think, uh, you know, the players are respected that. But everybody respected Coach. Uh, I respect the heck out of him. I grew up with him. Most of my dad played for him in high school, and my dad went on to play at the University of Kentucky after that. But uh, uh, just being around Coach, he, you know, he was tough, but you respected him. And I think everybody respected him because he knew he gave it everything he had. But he was, I mean, he was a tough man. And, I scared death of him for three years. My senior year, I got to where I was scared of him. But, uh, now I'm great friends with him. But uh, but he, you know, he just had that knack. I don't know. Some coaches have a knack for winning. Some don't. Coach Kidd sure had it. Well, he's um, he's still very active. He's out on the golf course. He's doing a lot of things to be at his age. He's doing a lot more than a lot of guys his age would be doing. Yeah, I think he plays golf all the time. Or, you know, tries to play a bunch. Uh, he, I talk to coach probably once or twice a month. And, 
he keeps trying to get me down there because he can, so he can beat me in golf, which he can. So I'm terrible. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he is. He, no matter what he's doing, he's competitive at it. I can tell you. If it's just, you know, playing golf or shooting pool, or whatever, he is as competitive a person I've ever met. Tuck says he's resting in his uh, favorite chair right now because he's recovering from back surgery. I asked him if that was from an old football injury, and he said no. Not really, more from just jogging and over the years, the pounding the back takes and, and then just getting old. We all know that feeling. Anybody who's 40 or over, we start to feel the aches and pains at places that didn't hurt so much when we were younger. So he's going through a little bit of that right now. We wish him the best. Living down in Pineville, Kentucky, where he grew up, was where he played high school ball, and that's where he lives today. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to Western Kentucky University. Their longtime football coach, Jimmy Fikes. That's the topic in just a moment. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, if you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories, where we'll now turn our attention to Bowling Green, Western Kentucky University, and football coaching great Jimmy Fikes. He was the head coach there for 16 years, 1968 through 83. He only had three losing seasons in his 16-year career there on the hill at Western Kentucky. 1973, only one loss that year, and that was in the championship game in that 75 season when they also lost in the championship. They had two losses on the year. But again, a great coaching career for Jimmy Fikes at Western Kentucky University. Unfortunately, he has passed away, passed away a few years ago, so obviously we can't talk with him, but thought we would talk to a couple of former players about him. And we'll begin with Bill Hape. He's a native of Evansville, Indiana and he was a four-year starter at linebacker at Western Kentucky. His first year at WKU was 1967, and he played for Coach Nick Dennis. And then Coach Fikes came in for his final three years. So he played one year under Coach Dennis and three years under Coach Fikes. Uh, he was an all-OBC performer there, 
And as a matter of fact, uh, after he left, he came back to Western and coached on the staff, the coaching staff there for under Coach Fikes from 1973 through 1982 as a linebackers coach. Then he left there to return to his hometown where he was a high school coach for several years. So our first conversation about Coach Fikes is with former player Bill Hape. So, Bill, you play your first season at Western under one coach, and then Coach Fikes comes in your next year. Did you notice something unique, different, special about him? Coach Fikes, was, he was on top of it from day one. He was just so organized. He knew what was going on. We'd, we'd have practice. Uh, and I, I didn't know this when I was playing under him, but after coaching under him, um, he he wrote everything down in the staff meetings, what we were supposed to be doing, when we were supposed to be doing it. Uh, he was he was sharp. He was smart. Uh, a little bit different than it was under Coach Dennis. So how was it different? It was it was just more organized. Um, we had we had a bunch of good coaches back then. Coach Joe Bugle, um, who left Western and was at Naval Academy, and then he coached offensive line of the Washington Redskins. Uh, had Jerry Glanville. Um, he came in as a linebacker coach and then uh, was he left before he ever got to be defensive coordinator, but one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around. And um, They were just normal people to Coach Fikes. What do you think um, Coach Fikes' legacy is at Western? Gosh, that he cared about people. He loved his players and he made him do the right thing. He taught him to do the right thing. So he was sort of like a father figure to you as a player? You bet. And after I played under him for two years, and then as a senior I was uh, I was elected captain, so I, I got to be uh, a little more, I, I got to see more what was going on as a captain than the regular teammates did. And what was that you saw? Well, the the organization. Um, you know, he he'd meet with the captains, and um, any uh, disciplinary action he brought us in, uh, which would never happen under Coach Dennis. And I'm not bad man with Coach Dennis by any means. Uh, but times changed uh, from when I went there in '66 until 1970. You came back to coach under him as an assistant. Did you come back just because that was your alma mater and it was a good job, or did you come back in great part because you were coaching under him? That's that's a big part of it. Um, I was a I, I played in 1970 and then uh, was a graduate assistant in 1971 uh, and was gone one year to coach high school ball back right outside Evansville. Um, and then when he called. Uh, I had actually had Robbie Franklin call, who was a linebacker coach at that time, and said that Coach Fikes, there was an opening. He was Robbie was going to Georgia Tech, and he said there was a linebacker coach job open, and Coach Fikes wanted to make sure that you were aware of it. And so <clears throat> I called Coach Fikes the next morning and set up an appointment with him on a Monday, 
and my wife and I went to Bowling Green, and he didn't ask me one question. It was all to her. And if you were willing to give uh, the time up for him, because it's going to be more time-consuming than high school ball and uh, and all that, and that was that was a big part. It was a family commitment, not just a coaching commitment. And what did the wife say? <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> she may have wanted you out of the house. <laughs> we knew that before we ever left to go to the interview. I said, if that job's open, she said, you want it, don't it? I said, I sure do. She said, well, we'll do it. So just out of curiosity, when you took that linebacker's coach at Western, what did that pay? $9,000. $9,000 a year. $9,000 a year. Coach Fikes. Could he have been successful anywhere? Would he have been successful at an Ohio State, in Alabama, Michigan, Southern Cal? He, he would have been successful anywhere. I remember he, he went to the National Coaches Convention one year, and he called, I think it was in Los Angeles, and he called and he said he had had um, somebody ask him about the University of Utah job. And he said, well, would you be interested in that? I said, gosh, I don't know, Coach, that's a long way. And he said, yeah, it is. He said, I kind of checked into it, and he said, I, I think we're better off right where we are, and, which was fine with me. So he had offers that he turned down? Well, I don't know if it was an offer, but they were they were interested in him. Yeah. And he, he wasn't going to leave Bowling Green. That's... That was his home. Right, I knew. He grew up in Kentucky and um from Henderson, which is just ten miles from where I live. Right. And mm-hmm. he'd been a Kentucky native all his life, so you just yes. figured that even if no matter who called, he was gonna turn him down. I I think so. I I, I can't imagine him being anywhere other than western Kentucky. Let's turn our attention now to Leo Peckinpah. And he was a four-year starter at WKU at quarterback. Played all four of his years under Coach Fikes. His last year there was that 1973 team when they lost only one game. And that was in the national championship where they finished a runner-up for that season. But uh, those four teams that he played on, they won three OVC championships and was the league runner-up in the other season, which was 1972. So he had quite a career playing under Coach Fikes. By the way... He is um, also a person who lettered in baseball for Western Kentucky. And uh, since 2002, you've heard him on the radio. He's the color analyst for the Hilltopper radio broadcasts. So I talked with Leo Peckinpah about playing for Coach Fikes. Well, I mean, he was a player's kind of coach because he had such a strong affection for, you know, young student-athletes. He... um, he did things the right way. He was he was uh, brutally honest. Um, he's the kind of guy that uh, he was a real rah rah guy, always behind you, and uh, brought a lot of energy to the brought a lot of energy to the field for the kids and stuff. And uh, yeah, I would I would think probably that under the many coaches I played for, he. Uh, most genuine guy that uh, he was the same way every day you met him and was just as fair with kids as any and, and, and the athletes as any coach that you could ever ask for. 
So are you saying he was a player's coach? He was because he cared so much about his kids. Uh, you, you can take that in a different direction, I think. If, 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 but, uh, no, he, he he always had time for you. Um, if, you need a, if you had an issue, personal or whatever, the door was always open in the coach's office uh, with him. What, I, what stands out the most about him there is the fact that won with class and he lost with class. He was he was the kind of guy that, um, as bad as he hate to lose, he would he he was always after the game with the media and even with us tipping his hat to the other to the other guys. We were the better team that day, uh, and I, I just think that's a great quality in a human being. Could he have been successful anywhere? He was offered opportunities to go elsewhere. Uh, yes, um, but he <laughs> he was such a Western guy. I mean that that was his life. Uh, of course, that was his legacy. Um, there were schools that came after him while we were there. He was just very very content uh, playing, or excuse me, coaching for the alma mater that he played for. Um, he was a, a Kentucky kid. He grew up uh, here in Henderson where I uh, grew up and live. And, uh, I mean, he was kind of a small town kind of guy. I mean, you know, he, he didn't get too carried away with uh, the accolades that he got and, the, you know, the, the successes that he had. I talked to one other person about the Coach Fikes, and that was Paul Just. Paul Just, longtime sports information director at Western Kentucky University, retired now, but still that the school's sports historian. You want to know anything about Western Kentucky athletic history? Ask Paul Just. So I asked him about Jimmy Fikes. Coach Jimmy Fikes was certainly one of the great persons in the history of athletics here at this university, uh, perhaps second only to E.A. Diddle. But Jimmy was such a a unique person, such a uh, such a class act in everything he did, uh, and always had uh, the university's goals in mind as he pr- approached the, his uh, uh, his organization of, uh, of the football program, and uh, enjoyed certainly uh, uh, several of the greatest years in, in the school's history. Uh, but uh, and and he devoted his entire life, virtually his entire uh, professional life, to this university and to his football program. Uh, after being an All-American quarterback here in the early 50s, he spent he was uh, really tabbed by a lot to a lot of people to become uh, the key backup of the New York Giants until the uh, until an injury. Uh, forced him out of pro ball before he ever got started. Uh, then he went on into a career, a short career in the military, and then came right back to Western uh, and, and, spent, and spent the rest of his life here. Even after he, uh, even after he gave up coaching, he served as uh, the alumni director uh, for a few years and came back to serve as the athletic director. And then when he retired altogether, he was still became a great, really an exceptional uh, person uh, to promote the university that he had taken to his heart 
and, and up to the day he died, uh, there was uh, there were a few people that were greater ambassadors of this university than was Jimmy Fife. So, two great college coaches in the history of Kentucky football. Roy Kidd at Eastern Kentucky University, where he spent 39 years there, won two national championships, was runner-up twice, and then Jimmy Fikes, 16 years at Western Kentucky University, where he lost in the finals twice, but had a great coaching career and great coaching record. That'll do it for the show this week. As always, thank you so much for joining me. And if you ever want to reach out to me with story ideas, please do so. Go to my website, KentuckySportsMemories.com. Click on the Contact tab and let me know what you're thinking. I'd love to hear your thoughts and certainly love to hear story ideas of shows that I may do in the future. That'll do it for this week. I'll be back next week with a brand new show. I hope you will join me then. Until then, I'm Gary Fogel. And this is Kentucky Sports Memories. We hear from a lot of owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family.